When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog This is Nicole's Gazing Night of Me She's watched the show like a lot of times Who is gonna be chief of surgery? Shonda Rhimes wrote the show and it is really, really good. Meredith Grey. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Nicole's Grey's Anatomy. I'm so glad that you're here. This is a amazing episode. I just feel comfortable saying that up top. An amazing episode with Chrissy Shackelford. She is a staff writer for White Snacks Problem Areas on HBO. She's on a mod team at UCB called Attention Shoppers. She is truly one of like the best character performers and so funny. She's incredible. I'm so happy that she came on the podcast to talk about Miranda Bailey. Bailey is like the the uh, a fixture, a stable, a queen of the hospital. We talk about all sorts of clips uh, that span many seasons. And we also discuss kind of some current grades news with um, this Taraji P. Henson, uh, Ellen Pompeo interview that Variety did this week, which I highly recommend watching the video of. It's a great use of 30 minutes, which you have because grades is not on right now. Hashtag, it is the summer. Um, <laughs> wow, that felt unnatural, but good. I'm. Let's keep it. Um, yeah, so this is a great episode. We're going to get into it, but I just wanted to say really quick that if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, I would love it if you did. And if you didn't mind writing a nice review on Apple Podcasts, that would mean a lot to me. And you can always tweet at me, at N Silverberg, if you have any thoughts about... Uh, uh, grays in general. Uh, some people are tweeting episode ideas at me. That's great too. I put them on a little list and I offer them to guests, but really you can tell me anything you want. We are recording a bunch of episodes in the coming month and I'm super excited and we definitely want to incorporate your thoughts. So uh, without further ado, let's get into the up with Chrissy. so excited because this episode we have Chrissy Shackelford here to talk about Miranda Bailey. Miranda Bailey as the stasis. As the stasis, the, the, a pillar. A pillar of the show. Okay. I, yeah, there's so much with Miranda. I was really remem- reminding myself today. There's. There's so much with Miranda and why specifically I say as the stasis of the show, because when I think back to Grey's, I'm thinking of who sets the tone, mm-hmm. like like writing-wise, who is setting the tone of the show and who yeah. is propelling things forward just in the way she operates as a character within the scripts. Yeah. She is actually controlling the show. 
mm-hmm. the tone and plot and pace. Yeah. And I think she's an undersung character because of that. Oh my gosh. Well, okay, we're going to get super into it, but first, mm-hmm. I got to know. Yeah. What is your Grey's journey? Okay. Um, oh boy, my Grey's journey. Um, so I started watching the show in high school. Okay. With my mother. Um, we watched, this was like the adult show that we watched in the sense that we watched One Tree Hill. We watched The O.C. We watched Gilmore Girls. We teen watched shows. Gossip Girl. We watched a lot of teen shows those together. Are, those are teen shows. Those are teen shows. <laughs> and this was one of the shows we watched where I was like, oh, this is a show that only has adults in it. Yeah. Um, and to me, it felt like Degrassi with doctors. Yeah. You know, like just the way that it like the plots go, how crazy things get. Yeah. Um, how many characters are, how they keep introducing more characters and mm-hmm. assuming I'm going to love them when I don't love yeah. a lot of the new characters. But I stopped watching in season 11. So uh, I- uh, Pre or post Derek death? Well, Nicole, you're actually a part of my grace journey. Am I really? Yeah. That's huge for me. <laughs> um, so I watched <laughs> Grey's Anatomy a lot um, in high school and in college and watched the DVDs, watched seasons over. Seasons like one through five, I feel like are the ones I'm most familiar with. Yeah. And then past that, it's just like, yeah, I kept tuning in because mm-hmm. this is what you do. Yeah. And it's then what you do. It's what you do when you love a show. <laughs> yeah. You, you like half put in the work when you don't feel like it's giving you love back. Yeah. And so around season 11, I was like checking in. I was watching all the episodes. Like I, I read a season synopsis before I got here just to be like, what happens in all these seasons? And I was like, oh yeah, I guess I got pretty far. But Nicole, you and I were on a story pirates tour. We were. In Evanston, Illinois. And you uh, Derek had just died in an episode God, and you what a, and that I, really cements things in time. I, I think someone else on the trip were, was talking about how Derek did. And I was a few episodes behind, but I was kind of checked out enough on Grace that I was like, yeah, this is not a spoiler. You two can talk about it. Yeah. But because I found out that happened, I think I just was like, I don't, I don't want to watch it. that happen. Yeah. I and totally so I didn't that. click back in because I <sighs> connect with Meredith so much. Yeah. And their love story was really big for me. And I was like, I don't think I need to see Meredith lose him. Yeah. And I, I totally respect that. Watch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough episode. And I think, um, it's like, I didn't watch the series finale of game of Thrones because I heard mm-hmm. what happened. I was on a, I was famously on a plane at the time. Yeah. And I came back and I had Branson just explain what had happened to me because mm-hmm. I said, I'd rather it come from someone I love rather than just <laughs> finding out on Twitter because I had to go to work the next day. And I was like, there's no way that I'm not going to find out. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he told me and I was like, this sounds like shit. <laughs> it's like, I was like, yeah, I actually don't need to see this. Yeah. I, I never finished the last Harry Potter book. And I read those at midnight. I would go to the wow. book releases and the seventh book I read up until like the last three chapters, but I, I wasn't ready to be done with the journey. So I just never finished the journey. That's kind of beautiful. And also seems like in the movie, (laughs) in the movie of your life, there's going to be like a moment when like you just return and you finish all the things you didn't finish. Yeah. That is actually like 
the central problem with me as a person is like, <laughs> Chrissy, you have to finish the journey. Yeah. And that's something I'm going to have to overcome in my romantic comedy yes, movie. <laughs> you yeah. do. And then, yeah. And then, and then you have your own Derek type of deal in this movie. Yeah. In my mind. Oh, that's so, that's so interesting. I mean, I actually just really respect that because I think that a lot of Grey's fandom has to do with like being willing to put yourself through something because, because you you love it so much. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's like very strong to be like, no, I can love this and not watch some, a character that I connect with suffer. Yeah. Well, I was also, I was rewatching some episodes today just to like re-familiarize myself with uh-huh. the series and- It's harder to watch now, I feel like, as an adult who has um, relationships that I, like, care about and am in a place where I, like, understand how much I care about the relationships in my life. Because every person I watch who is in pain on the show, like, the patient stories, I get very sad. And I picture someone in my life being in that situation and how I would feel Mm -hmm. if I were their loved one. Yeah. And it is hard to watch. (laughs) Yeah. No, being more acquainted with death and understanding that comes for us all doesn't make the viewing process easier. By no means. Yeah, by no means. Um, I have to ask, so you say that you connect with Meredith a lot. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you connect with the character Meredith or do you also feel some connection with Ellen Pompeo? Because, you know, Ellen Pompeo in in the news this week. In the news this week. I haven't watched the okay. interview yet, but I read the highlights. Okay, yes. I mean, the highlights, I, it's all okay. it's all there. So for, for those of you who um, don't follow me on Twitter, because I did tweet about this quite a lot, <laughs> Variety is doing this series, I think just- Actors on actors. Actors on actors, in which actors interview each other. Mm-hmm. And there are so many pairs that are really delightful. And I would love to have been in the room that decided to pair together Taraji P. Henson and Ellen Pompeo. They are an amazing pair together. And, but it's also like, it's very cool that Ellen Pompeo was included. Like, I felt like really proud. I was yeah, like, that she was chosen as like, yeah. Cause it was like all these really like trendy people who are like going to be up for Emmys this year. And like, mm-hmm. you know, Ellen Pompeo is great, but she's not, she hasn't been in like that circle of relevance for a long time. Yeah. She's not a flashy actor. She's like workhorse. Yeah. And and just in season, I mean, season 15, I think has been like a very, it's been a banner year for Grey's and that they, they surpassed, I mean, just, just by the numbers, they surpassed ER for most number of episodes in a primetime medical procedural. Like, so they now are ahead of, they've, they've set a record. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Ellen Pompeo was in the news a year ago for having for setting a record for how much she gets paid per episode. I definitely read that Hollywood Reporter piece, which I'm obsessed with, and I talk about so quite a lot. Good. But I and I've also just talked about in general about how Ellen Pompeo has really um, she has nothing to lose. She really has like said over and over again, like this is the my the end of my acting career. She feels very uh, empowered to speak from her position and mm-hmm. she just kind of, and she's also just like super boss and doesn't give a shit. Yeah. So this interview with, with Taraji, they, you know, Taraji starts by asking her like, you know, what's it like to play a character for 15 years? You know, Empire is going into its sixth season. And sometimes I, yeah, I just like can't imagine doing it for that much longer. Like how many more stories are there to tell? Like, I love this character so much. How do you do it? Blah, blah, blah. And Ellen Pompeo like pretty quickly pivots when she talks about it to being like, so what's your pay like? <laughs> Basically just like, so like what, um, do you feel like satisfied with what you make? 
I imagine your rate has gone up so much. You do all these movies. And it really is this incredible conversation that acknowledges that money is a core part of fulfillment, not something that happens on top of it. Mm -hmm. And Ellen Pompeo really shits on like this idea that like it's awards fodder or that, you know, the fulfillment, the role is so incredible. And she's like, no, what am I getting paid? And kind of, and she, and they really start like talking numbers and Taraji's like, I I asked for like $500,000 for a movie and they told me no. And, and, uh, and Ellen talks once again about like how Patrick Dempsey was getting paid so much more than her, double her for the first couple seasons of Grey's. And it wasn't until season three renegotiations that she realized it. And I just was, I just loved it. I loved reading about that. Yeah. And I, or, and watching, because it's a video, like a 30-minute interview. It's terrific. Yeah, I think it's so, I also think there's a lot of like, um, it's easy for people like critics, not like famous critics, but in the in the way that everyone's a critic these yeah. days. To everyone's be like, everyone's a critic. Everyone's a critic and <laughs> everything needs to be critiqued. Um, <laughs> uh, that like, it's very easy to say of like, oh, well, she's just going to stay on Grey's Anatomy forever. Right. And her to be like, yeah, I will because I have kids yeah. and I make money and I want to have a life. And it's really bold to be like, there are other things in my life that fulfill me that aren't just right. acting, which is... Being able to have a life, being able to go on vacation, being able to spend time with my kids and know that I go to the same place to work every day. Totally. She says that, like, you know, being at Gray's is a very um, mother-friendly workplace that, like, people bring their kids, stuff like that. That's important to her. She says that um, she has been really realistic about, like, what her film career would actually realistically be like at her age with her popularity. She's like, you know, what really what is waiting for me on the other end? And like, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that that's on one hand, that's kind of pessimistic. And then on the other hand, it's like, well, yeah, but look at everyone who's left. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not like there's this guaranteed, you know, film blockbuster film career waiting for you on the other end of it. But yeah, I mean, well, the, the first question, one of the first questions he asks is like, what is what attracted you to the role? And she goes, well, I guess what I got the script, what I really liked about it is it was the lead character. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. yes, bitch, just say it. Well, especially with where she like, what was she in before that old school? You know, yeah, catch me if you can. Oh, my God. A deleted role from Eternal Sunshine. I forgot she was in Catch Me If You Can. At the bank, right? Yeah. She's the bank teller. I think so, yeah. Or a flight attendant. One of the two. One of the two. There yeah. are, for it, women and in that movie, and, there's and only flight attendant or bank teller. <laughs> it's always one of the two. Yeah. But I, so that was some, a part that I bet that I really liked. And then there was also a really good part where Taraji Panson was like, yeah, I mean, I don't think I've ever really been in a position where I can like turn down a role. And then they really, really got into kind of the racial component of it and being underestimated. It's... It's a really, I really recommend watching it. I felt, I I think that it has, well, okay. So then the other thing is that she talks about how like she stopped being creatively fulfilled playing Meredith Grey like years ago. She, I did read that line and I would love more context into so, what she said. Yes, because it was pulled out of context and yeah. a lot of people like, I think were upset about that because it feels like you're insulting this character that you love. But basically what she says is that the other things started being more important. 
Like as an actor, there's only so much that you can be challenged playing one character for 15 years. And she thought about leaving when she stopped being challenged. And then she thought, well, there's actually other things that I'd like to accomplish. So she talks about being a producer and from a producerial role of like being challenged and fulfilled in that way. But the main thing that she talks about is like changing the culture at Grey's. She says that the first 10 seasons, which like Jesus Christ, that's a lot of seasons. She said it was really toxic work culture. Mm -hmm. And she started and she went to Shonda and she was like, what can we I want to change. I want this to be a good place to come into work every day. I want to have fun. I want this to be like not like competitive with egos and things like that. And so that's uh, really admirable. Yeah. In, in, in not in just like a look at her for trying to change, but in more of the way of like, you're not going to be like, oh, this place sucks. It's always going to suck. I'm going to leave. Totally. You know? So I guess she said that bringing Debbie Allen in, who, um, who plays... Uh, Jackson Avery's mom, Catherine Avery, yes, but then okay. also now Catherine Fox. She got married. She she ha- was never. She was an Avery by marriage. Okay. Her husband. She married into the Avery like world. Her husband abandoned it and was like, I, I mean, I wasn't cut out for that life. And goes to, oh my gosh, can you believe that that's my manager? <laughs> I mean, like, can you fucking believe that? I am so. Of this industry, it's actually crazy. Um, and good for me. Yeah. In any case, back to talking about the industry and as it pertains to um, Grace. No, I actually was talking about what happens in the plot. Basically, uh, you find out in last season that the Avery name is kind of toxic because a lot of women were paid off. It's a Me Too type of a plot. Oh and she God. reverts to her maiden name of Fox. Oh, well, that's great. Yeah, no, it, it's... It, you know, I would say it's fine. Okay. I, it, it's fine. It, it's it's totally fine. But yeah, in any case, so they say they bring Debbie Allen in. Um, and and they she said that like they, she just really wanted to turn things around. It's very interesting. It's like Sandra O oh left after 10. Mm. Um, Shonda Rhimes, that's around the time that Scandal was picking up. So it's like Shonda Rhimes was leaving around that time. So uh, 11 is when Patrick Dempsey, who famously was like a very- difficult person so it does, it does. I didn't know he was t- I well on one of your apps you talked about that he wanted to race cars that was yes. something I did not know yeah he was like part-time because he wanted to race cars one foot in one foot out because of car racing and he just had a huge ego with his pay yeah I think he well so something that she talks about in the Hollywood Reporter article in which she talks about her pay and stuff like that is is she discusses that um she asked for Patrick Dempsey to like be on her side and be like, I, I in the like, negotiations, in the negotiations, yeah, yeah, and he yeah. wouldn't okay. do it. So I mean, I, I think That's that there were like wild egos and fucking, and they haven't spoken since he left the show. And she is a really diplomatic. Like, we created an amazing thing on TV together. We have a really positive uh, relationship. It's nothing has happened, but no, I haven't seen him or spoken to him, and I wish him all the best. Hmm. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, and nice to be honest about that. Like, I mean, she's nothing if not honest. I just think that, you know, I, I'm two and a half, three years into like working in TV, and even the most wonderful feminist employers are still within operating within the same system that everyone else is operating in. And there are so many rules about like what is appropriate to say and what Mm -hmm. isn't. And I just seeing Ellen Pompeo genuinely be like, 
How much do you make? Did your rate go up after this job? Why not? That's so frustrating. Well, mm-hmm. this is kind of what my pay journey has been like. Like that does more for me mm-hmm. than than seeing an empowered woman portrayed on television. Like it's yeah. like there's like two, you know, there's two halves. There's like the characters I'm seeing you create, but like God, to hear an actress just be like, yeah well, this person gets paid more than me and that's really fucked up and this is what I said and this is who I talked to and it was after this kind of job that I decided I wasn't going to take it anymore. Like that, that like gives me a lot of inspiration. And just to see closed doors conversations. Yes. It's just like you never get to, yeah, that's, I mean, it's like, it's like literally like the AOC thing. It's like just showing us what typically, you you just, you don't know how the government works. And it's like, oh, whoa, well, that's weird. Like, I guess that's really helpful to kind of know how, how like this, how a lobbyist relationship works. <laughs> like that hmm. just helps me understand what it, what my options are or how things happen. It's very Good. interesting. But anyway, I, I truly stand Ellen Pompeo mm-hmm. and it has made me like Meredith Grey more. Oh, interesting. That's, that's a very long roundabout, but like seeing all the stuff this week, just ever since she started really coming more into the public eye and being more honest about herself it's really made me, as I'm watching in season 15, be like, I, I, I'm not getting a ton of from Meredith on screen, but knowing what Ellen is doing behind the scenes makes me like her more. That's so interesting. I was in on Meredith from the jump. I was Loved. not in on her from the jump, but she is like one of my favorite characters. It's just more that as time has gone on, I don't know if you, we've talked about this on the pod before, but like. She kind of starts, like, after Derek dies in particular, she's like, I don't need love. I just need my career. And she becomes a little bit of a, a little more hollow for me. Mm. She's not dark and twisty anymore. She's not. I loved the dark I love dark and twisty Meredith. Yeah. I Dark and twisty, I think, is what sold it yeah. for me. I love the dark and twisty. I love that she's got this, like, fucked up relationship with her parents. Yes. Um, I found that uh, very relatable. And I was like, I guess this is how I'll be as an adult. Yeah. You know? Like, okay, so that's how that manifests. And uh, it is correct, you know. Uh, Not to plug another episode of this pod, but Shana Taub just came on and we talked about parent-adult-child relationships on Grey's. And it was just, it is crazy how much, how many different types of kind of like dysfunctional or fallen out or just like not compatible relationships they show between these the characters on the show and their parents and it's mm-hmm. really nice to see that and it doesn't it hasn't ruined everyone like Meredith has a ton of trauma and baggage but like Izzy doesn't relate to her mom and she does just fine like and it's kind of nice seeing a range yeah and just to be like you know, like Meredith is dark and twisty and has these complicated relationships, but it also doesn't fully define her as a character. Yes. Like if that character breakdown, maybe it was written this way because people who write character breakdowns are insane, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't think it would be like dark and twisty, bad relationship. Wait, right. You, you know, that's not the picture I get from Meredith. Right. Like it impacts how she can love a partner, but it doesn't impact how she does her job. She's still like really good at her job. Yeah. Uh, well, that was the other thing I was like, maybe I should just talk about ambition. But then I feel like that gets talked about a lot. Yeah. But the, like, I mean, the central so true, idea of ambition is the thing that I loved about the show. Same. I can't watch shows where people like... Sorry, listeners, if you loved workaholics, I just like shows like that where people have 
no ambition, I cannot connect. Yeah. And what I think is so great about Grace is it is a workplace show. Yeah. Where the work is important. And maybe that's true of like all procedurals. I don't really watch cop shows. Don't care about them. But all of them want to be good at their job as opposed to like, oh, show this is such a different comparison. But like The Office. Yeah. Where like being good at the job is like never a plot point except for Michael Scott, who loves paper. And (laughs) and I guess Dwight. He (laughs) loves paper. Yeah. Well, and I think that um, I think that Bailey is like a really like amazing example of that too. Great seg. And a perfect seg. Great seg. Yeah. Into Bailey. But she is, I mean, she, people, people often talk about um, Christina as being like the paragon of ambition on the show. But I do think that that kind of undersells Bailey a little bit because Bailey is someone who is super ambitious and wants to have it all. Whereas like Christina is super ambitious and her career comes first. And Bailey's like, why wouldn't I be able to have the husband and the kid and the career? Like, mm-hmm. I can do it. Just give me the room. Well, she she is the ambition with the thought behind it. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think she is the tone of the show. Yeah. She's also an audience surrogate in a lot of ways, in my opinion, which is not the audience surrogate, but she's there to tell the audience what is right and wrong yes. in many instances. She is the moral center of the show. She's the moral center and she's also there to set the stakes for things. So yeah. like like the Izzy cutting the L that wire, you, she, her reaction to it yeah. is one of the things that locks in what a fucking colossal mistake oh, this was. Yeah. So every like, emotional stakes Bailey sets up around a patient is what what the audience is meant to believe is true. Yeah. About the situation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, in terms of ambition, yeah. She always wants the best surgery. Yeah. She's always wanting to do the job right. She's always telling people how they should do their job right, but she's never like, I shouldn't say never, but often, and for a lot of the first few seasons, She's not compromising morals because she wants to do the job correctly because it's not just about getting ahead. It's about doing the job in the correct way, which is morally and by the rules and by the book. And that's how she gets ahead. Well, we've talked on a couple episodes before about the episode where she literally sacrifices her marriage in order to operate on the guy with the swastika tattoo on his stomach. And I think that's like a really, that's like a very crystallized, like this is who Bailey is kind of episode where she should not have done that. And no one would have said you like you really needed to operate on the Nazi. Mm -hmm. Like no one would have ever been like, you kind of messed up there. Like, Mm -hmm. sorry, Miranda. Uh, But she, she has this, I mean, perhaps she is a Libra. She has a deeply strong internal sense of right and wrong. And it's very hard for her to, um, go against that. Miranda Bailey is a Libra is actually the best. Uh, <laughs> I'm a Libra and I'm a, tr- I'm a, like a very true Libra uh, in, in I'm a, I'm a textbook Libra. That's I'm what a I'm true saying. Aries, oh. which makes sense. Which is why I would be a little bit Meredith. Yes. Fire uh, sign. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, I haven't rewatched that um, swastika episode, but do they ever reckon with the fact that maybe it was like not okay to call her the Nazi? 
Um, yes. Okay. I think she in that episode. Yeah, I think in that episode, I now that you bring it up, I do think she she I think she said something where like no one ever called me the Nazi ever again. Okay, great. I think great. Is, I think is a moment in the episode. Okay, I, I could I be like inventing that. that, but I'm I'm like <laughs> I'm like ninety percent sure that that happens. Because when I was rewatching episodes today, I mean, I remember that that was her thing, but I was like, whoa, that was her thing. Yeah, like there's a whole episode where that like the Thanksgiving episode where that yes, surge- where the travel the the guest surgeon wants to work with the Nazi and assumes yeah. it's a white guy, and yeah. so she just like has him running around the hospital all day. Yeah, being like, oh, the Nazi told me. To tell you to go to this place and do stitches. Yeah. Like all this. A great comedy plot. Which brings me to another point about Miranda Bailey setting the tone. Think of what the show would be without Miranda Bailey. Less funny. Less funny. Yeah. And the show, why it works so well is it's funny. Yeah. And it's very dramatic. Yes. And it's everything. And Bailey is setting the tone of these comedy moments. She is oftentimes the character who has most of the comedy moments in an episode. I know, she really does. And that, I feel like, again, is telling the audience, this is the kind of show you're watching. Right. I think that's so true. I, yeah, I, I think that there are a lot of, like, like, she's funny in scenes that aren't comedic scenes, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Like, Mm. like, I feel like a lot of the other, like, you start getting the music, like, dude. And you're like, oh, this is a funny scene. And then it's like the whole interaction is funny or like the premise of the interaction is funny. Whereas Mm -hmm. like, I think that Bailey often gets to like have jokes or like be funny in like scenes that don't get that kind of like music underneath. It's just, it's just part of her personality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She is a funny person. She's a funny person in that world. She, yeah. Mm -hmm. Think of whose damn panties are on. Yes, whose damn panties are on the board. Yes. So good. I was also uh, just completely transported to the moment where she, uh, where you find out that she's married for the first time. Yes. Where she's, she is her anniversary mm-hmm. and she's like dressed up dressed and up. she's leaving the lobby and, um, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And Derek is there like uh, brooding mm-hmm. and he's like, where are you going? And she's like, it's my anniversary with my husband. And he's like, I had no idea you were married. And I don't know if this is the same conversation, but it also reminds me of the conversation that might actually be the same scene where he talks about how he didn't have perfect hair in high school. He had like acne and he played the trumpet or something. Mm-hmm. And like she was a nerd in high school and she's like, I'm sure that you were like prom king. And he was like, no. I really like their relationship. I like their friendship. Their friendship is so good. And also Bailey's has a relationship with every... And granted, I stopped at like 11. You know, I don't really know what's going on with Bailey now. I feel like she had a unique relationship with every character on the show. Yeah. She's got a unique relationship with the chief. Yeah. Her and Meredith, obviously. Her and Christina. Yeah. Obviously. Her and Izzy. Her and George. Callie. Callie. I love her relationship with Callie. Yeah, they're very fun. And her relationship with Arizona where she thinks that she's going to go into do that like neonatal specialty, that that fellowship. 
Oh, yeah. You know, this is, that's getting to the point where I'm like, what's going on? Yeah. Because I also did not love that she had OCD. Okay, so— Just the plot line. Yes. Uh, one of my least favorite irks of the show, to be honest— I just feel like it didn't make sense yes, with it didn't the t- character. It didn't take for me. I was like, why is this happening? Yeah. I and as some as a viewer who views Bailey yeah. as the center of the show, as like the heartbeat yeah. of the show, if you will, Even, in medical yeah. terms. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, uh, the 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 heartline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um boom 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 boom. <laughs> the thump. Yeah. The th- <laughs> Thump of Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> yes. The, the beating baseline. Yeah. Um, so true. I don't want those kinds of stories for it. It was like, yeah. She is the one setting the tone, and now the tone is I have OCD. No. Yeah. I mean, it, just the obsession with the cleanliness, which is like not always what OCD is either. Yes, it's like, n- it also was like, it's about compulsion. It's not. It, cleanliness is like that's kind of a bastardization of what yes a little bit yeah she's had another mental health arc of 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 late okay what is that anxiety okay yeah and we make sense the fact that all these doctors aren't suffering from anxiety is ben warren uh is a firefighter now and she has a lot of anxiety about you know his safety Mm -hmm. things like that that makes a lot of things of that tucker now Tuck is uh, getting a talk about consent. That's how old he is. Oh, my They're God. giving him a talk about consent. He's like 14. Oh. 13, 13 14. Shit. Yeah. Can you believe? I guess I can. Yeah. He was born in season two. So, yeah. Good for him. Ugh. Yeah. I, I also just think, like, in the first couple seasons, she's an unsung hero in the sense that she doesn't get the flashy stories. No, she doesn't. You know? She doesn't get. She's a workhorse as far as like just she she takes a bunch of patient cases. She just is good at what she does. She's good at what she does. She comes into a scene and she says, "Crap, I need you to do this. I need Izzy. You're on this. Izzy, blah blah. Don't talk to me at this thing. Blah blah blah." And then that is essentially propelling us into what this episode's going to be about. Totally. She comes in. She does that. She every conversation she has is usually about a change in the other character yeah, and not often a change in her. Right. Which is why then, you know, plot lines like when her dad doesn't know that she's, she hasn't really been honest with her parents that she's separated. And then Mm -hmm. he comes for Christmas Mm -hmm. and she doesn't have her kid and Mm -hmm. she's by herself. And he's like, he like pities her and he's like, what has happened to you? Yeah. And she's like, I'm happy for the first time Mm. in a really long time. And, you're, and it, that, it hits hard. Yeah. Because you don't always see her vulnerable. Well, and the moments that she is vulnerable are some of the best. Yes. I was remembering see. today when Meredith has her ectopic, or not, um, when Christina has her ectopic pregnancy. Yes. You're and doing, she's holding, you're, and she's holding the head. Mm-hmm, she's holding the head. And yeah. So. And she Chris, won't leave her side. Christina's is, she's in there as a surgeon and Christina's having her surgery and Meredith and uh, sorry, wow, I keep saying Meredith. Meredith on the brain. Addison? Bailey, Bailey. Yeah, no, Addison, Addison is doing the is doing the surgery. Yes, and Bailey is up by Christina's head, like holding her hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and Addison's like, okay, Bailey, you know, I can take you over here now. And she's like, I'm good where I am, and she yeah. just stays like being with Christina. Mm-hmm. 
That's, and that's like one of the first moments where we really see how deeply she cares for her interns. Yes, how she cares for her interns. But also in that same moment, Meredith comes in, wants to scrub in. Yeah. And Bailey's like, absolutely not. Yeah. She is your best friend. She's naked. She's exposed. Yes. And I want to give her the most privacy she can have. Right now, you are not a doctor. You are her best friend. Yeah. And she doesn't need you in there. I know. Oh, and such I, a good speech. So, so she's like caring for her as a friend, as like yeah. an intern, as someone she cares about, and then immediately caring for her as a doctor. Yes, it's so true. Oh, she's so good. Um, okay, so the first clip is one that you pulled, which, okay. oh, I mean, how could you not start with this? It's the first time that we ever see her, Bailey. Oh, yes. Okay. Over the music, pilot. over music that we never hear again, by the way. This music is crazy. Oh, like the score. Yeah, the score. Okay. I'm okay. Like, it's not, it's not typical. Anyway, that was something that I just thought about today. Not, not relevant. Uh, yeah, you're like so plugged into the music of the show. Not even like the soundtrack is yeah. obviously iconic. Everyone sure, had sure. those CDs in their mother's car. Yes, bitch. <laughs> but yeah. Mm-hmm. But the score. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Really? End of the hall. That's the Nazi? I thought the Nazi would be a guy. I thought the Nazi would be a Nazi. Maybe it's professional jealousy. Maybe yeah, she's brilliant and they call her a Nazi because they're jealous. Strange. Maybe she's nice. It's Let me guess, breath. you're the model. Hi, I'm Isabel Stevens, but everyone calls me Izzy. I have five rules, memorize them. Rule number one, don't bother sucking up. I already hate you, that's not gonna change. Trauma protocol, phoneless pagers. Nurses will page you. You answer every page at a run. A run, that's rule number two. Your first shift starts now and lasts 48 hours. Your interns, grunts, nobodies, bottom of the surgical food chain. You run labs, write orders, work every second night until you drop and don't complain. On call rooms, attendings hog them, sleep when you can, where you can, which brings me to rule number three. If I'm sleeping, don't wake me unless your patient is actually dying. Rule number four, the dying patient better not be dead when I get there. Not only will you have killed someone, you would have woke me for no good reason. We clear? Yes. You said five rules. That was only four. I rule don't number relate five. to that. When I move, you move. Get out of my way! I don't relate to that moment of Meredith. I would never do that to someone in um, a superior you said five rules. <laughs> yeah, I would not do that either. Ugh. Perfect scene. So today I was reading up on this because um, there was an article that Chandra Wilson, who plays Miranda Bailey, chose her favorite scenes. And mm-hmm. this was her first one. She said that every, all of the people who play the interns had kind of already been like, they had, they had done like character work. They'd like gone and like observed at hospitals and they'd spent some time together. Oh, interesting. And she came at this, uh, they'd already had a half day of shooting and she came in and she's like, I hadn't even met them as Chandra before I started filming this. And this was like the first thing I did. And I just like did this and I guess- Sandra O oh was like, you like have like an orgasm at the end of that, that speech. She was like, yeah, no, it feels like amazing to just be like, do this, do this, do that. And she said that that scene, she just like, she returns to it a lot in her own research of like, what would Bailey do? And she goes back to that scene to be like, what, you know, mm. who is the true core of Bailey in this pilot episode? Well, okay. So one of the reasons I pulled this clip, and maybe it's because I'm an insane person that uh-huh. is constantly thinking about uh, the structure of television shows no. and how they work. Good, good. Um, good, good. And why I think of her as like not only character-wise 
central to the show, but also looking at it from a scripting perspective. Yeah, she's telling the audience. She is telling the audience, not only is this a perfect introduction, she is telling the audience, she's introducing the audience not only to her Mm -hmm. in the way that she's like acting and who she's being, she's also introducing the fucking hospital. Yes. And the rules of the world. She's actively, she's saying yeah. rules and she's laying out the rules of the world. Right. And like this is what a pager is. This is how things work. You have a 48 hour shift. Like just these basic information that you do have to get out in that first episode. But within a character. It's so good. Which is like, this is who I am. This is how you are treated. It, it cements how the interns exist in yes, the hospital totally. in the first five minutes of the episode it's where you're amazing. like, okay, this is exactly who the interns are and this is how they operate in this food chain and, and this is how they're treated. How the different interns like react to her is yes. like, and then that tells you exactly how you need to know about what you need to know about them, like what their relationship to authority yeah. is and things like that. Absolutely. So fucking good. I love the scene. And then I also love how then when, Meredith and Izzy and this class of interns become residents, they all like, like some of them replicate this exact speech. Yeah. And Meredith does it. And like her pager doesn't go off at the exact right time. Oh. And they're like, what's rule number five? <laughs> and it's like, she's like waiting for her pager to go off and it doesn't. Um, and just seeing how, That's how deeply sh- Bailey has impacted them as a teacher that then when they become residents, they all are like, mm-hmm. This is how you teach. You teach the way that Bailey taught us. It's just very moving. Yeah. Well, I didn't even pull this clip, but it was, it's one from her birth, Mm -hmm. uh, the one where she gives birth, where they've had like a couple, she's been on maternity leave and they've had a couple of like rotating residents come in and they keep leaving. And she comes to the hospital and is like, what the hell is wrong with you people? You keep driving off these (laughs) residents, scaring them. Like you're my... Calm down. Yeah. Like everyone says, my interns are the worst. My interns, blah, blah, blah. And they're all like, Bailey's back. Thank God Bailey's back. Like George hugs her. Yes. I (laughs) forgot about that. I fucking love that scene. Oh, that's so good. Okay. Wait, what's next? What's next? Um, Let's maybe do, Hmm. hmm. you know, for, for those of you guys at home or in the car, wherever you may be, usually I have my computer with me and I've got the list of clips on one okay. and the, the, cl- and, the and Netflix mm-hmm. on the other. And today, you know, I forgot to bring my computer with me to work because it was so it was so late in the day. I just was like, I forgot to, to think ahead. Yeah. And so I'm doing both things on my phone and switching between tabs is not as easy as you think. Because phones are, phones are famously smaller than the, computers. Smaller than computers. You have to use your hands in a different way. It's and that's their thing, actually. Very complicated. That's how they market phones, smaller than computers. How much more time do you? I, I actually <laughs> am. I will keep you going. You've done how, something perfect. Okay. Uh, we're there. Okay. To go just a little bit chronologically, mm. this scene that I was so glad that you pulled where she. Um, after she has witnessed Meredith and Derek making out in the car outside of the party. And then the next day. Yes. Okay. okay. So do you want to set this up? Okay. Um, so it's, if, if you remember, um, <laughs> everyone listening, there's a party at Meredith's house, which also someone should do an episode just about the house. Um, just a side note. For sure. Wouldn't that be interesting? Yes. Um, because do people still live in it now? Does Meredith still? So, Okay. I'm thrilled to announce that that house actually doesn't exist anymore. She lives in the dream house that Derek built for them. Oh, yes. I remember that. But yeah. uh, it Meredith's two half-sisters live with her. Yes. Amelia. <laughs> and Maggie. And Ma- I did and not. And her three children. 
So Maggie full. has three children. No, no, no. Meredith has three, three children. Okay. Full house. Okay. Her, you know, I didn't love all the sisters. No, too many sisters. I didn't love all, but I did love Gina Davis. Oh, which is related to the sisters yeah. because of the brain tumor and stuff. Yeah. Nicole Herman. That is something that I, when I was reading the season breakdowns earlier today mm-hmm. and realizing that I stopped mid season 11, I was like, oh, I stopped in the season with Gina Davis. Yeah. I should go back and watch. Honestly, it it's great. I fucking love Gina Davis. Well, ugh. tall queen, tall queen, tall queen. Also baseball queen, baseball queen. League of their own. Yes. Okay. So there's a party at the house. <laughs> Um, there is a party at the house, um, and, uh, like, it's, like, all the people from the hospital, Bailey's there, and you see, um, Meredith and Derek, and they're, like, they're, I guess I'm saying making out because I still remember this from when I was a kid. No, they're making out. they were having, like, sex, but. I don't think they are having sex. I think they're about to. Okay, okay. I don't Uh, think there's actual penetration. But but she's like on him. In my head, I'm still like, they're kissing in the car. I think they are, though. She doesn't have her shirt on, but they're kissing. And um, you hear a tap at the window and Bailey comes in. And what is she? Oh, do you want to move this tail wagon? You're blocking me in. <laughs> yes. Ah, scream. Yes. Yeah, scream, scream, scream. So then that's when she finds out that Meredith and Derek are screwing around. Yeah. Um, and that one of her interns is essentially screwing her boss. Yeah. Um, and so this next clip is the confrontation about yeah. that. Remember, there was a party at a house before this. Dr. Bailey. I didn't know that he was my boss when I met him. I didn't know. I don't care. Really? Oh, you sort of seem to not be talking to me, so I... You, you see this? What's happening right here? Hey, this is the problem with you sleeping with my boss. Not whether or not you knew him before, but how it affects my day. And me standing here talking to you about your sex life affects my day. And the longer this little fling goes on, the more favors you get over the others who are fighting tooth and nail just to make it through this program without any assistance. When those people start finding out what's going on and they don't want to work with you and talk to you or look at you and they start bitching and moaning at me, the more it affects my day. So no, Dr. Gray, I don't care what you knew or when you knew it. We understood. Yes. Good. Yeah. The way just Chandra Wilson hangs on words. Yes. The way that she is creating tempo in these speeches that are long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, famous Chandalongs. I think she's one of the best actors that is like. Yeah. She can shape rhythmically it. Rhythmically shaping yeah. it. Um, hanging on my day, yeah. you know, uh, like going up who are fighting tooth and nail. Like she goes <laughs> up in tempo. She lingers on words. Yeah, it's art. And again, so this is, uh, I think, telling the, uh, like it's setting the stakes of, you know, the audience is like trying to fall in love with Meredith and Derek. And we yeah. kind of are. And we're kind of like, yeah, what's so bad about it? Like, yeah. can't they just fuck? They, they're so hot together. And yeah. this is telling the audience, no right this is what is wrong about this yeah and And it affects people other than the two of them because there's a moment earlier in this episode where 
Bailey confronts Derek being like, you favor her. Mm, and if I see yes. you favor her one more time, I'm going to make sure she doesn't see the inside of an OR for a month just to make it even. Mm-hmm. And you're like, ah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also this is just going into like what would happen in this real situation. Yeah. How could it, Bailey is for sure in the right. Yeah. But how could Meredith ever get a surgery with Derek that wouldn't seem like favoring? Exactly. And that's the problem with work relationships it is that even if he's not favoring and favoring, and even if it is like her time to be in neuro or whatever, yeah, that would seem like favoring. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no way for it to not seem that way. I think this is actually now the perfect moment to then show the her talking about Mark Sloan clip, just because mm-hmm. I think it's like, like spiritually related. Yeah. And there's a lot to unpack with it in this climate. In this current, I know, I know. Yes. So this is season, this is season four Mm -hmm. and Mark Sloan has slept with so many nurses that they're boycotting (laughs) being in his OR, which is genuinely mind blowing. Yeah. (laughs) That's just so many nurses. (laughs) And that you would all band together and say, we, okay, we've all slept with him, right, ladies? Yeah. Like that type of moment. I'm just like, wait, what was that conversation like? Um, okay, let's take a look. This okay. boycott has gone on long enough. Now, okay, I have no authority here, but I would like to offer my thoughts on Dr. Sloan. You're doing great. Uh, this man is a whore. Has always been a whore. Will probably always be a whore. But, I mean, that's not a secret. He's not keeping it hidden. You all knew who he was before you got involved with him. And now you want to be all, woe is me. He doesn't call me back. He's dating other women. He's nasty. But he's a doctor here and a pretty good one. So let us all close our knees and get back to our job so he can get back to his job and help the people that really need it. <laughs> the knobs. The nod with the punctuation of the elevator ding is... Mm, ah. Ooh, very good sound mixing. <laughs> yes. So you start off with that speech being like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she tells them all to close their knees yeah. and you're like, wait, oh, no. what? <laughs> what did I sign up for <laughs> yeah. this? When I, when I was remembering this moment, I was like, oh, I got to talk about the, this man is a whore because that is so iconic to yes, me. The, same. That phrase. This And uh, just by the way, this is like one of my favorite hairstyles on her yes the bangs with the bangs the, with the swoop the the, the, the like choppy slippy yeah. flippy uh, out flippy choppy mm-hmm. um the, you know the, the flippy out we uh, all had in like seventh grade yes um i just remember being so good and then i uh i watched i was like searching for it this morning and i also was like even after i watched this and it was like i think we should talk about this uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, I mean, it's like, I basically agree with the premise, which is that like, if you know that a guy is bad mm-hmm. and you know that he's already slept with most of your coworkers, mm-hmm. you can't be surprised when then he continues to sleep with most of your coworkers. Mm-hmm. The implication, however, that it's, you got, you got what you asked for. Yeah, that's, that's when it so starts bad, to get a little, they a little shamey. A little, a l- <laughs> right. You Although, knew what you were getting into. Close your knees. Although I will say, 
she is addressing 50 women. Like how many, <laughs> how many people is she speaking to? It's like, staff. it's a crowd. It's, it's not a group. It's a, it's a crowd. They're like, they're not, it's not like they're behind the little nurse's station. No, either. They're, they're like all gathered. Out, they're gathered in the main Some are corridor. On the stairs. Like yeah. they can't all fit. Yeah. This is, this is the deck of the Titanic. She's speaking to <laughs> essentially. <laughs> And the more and we're playing the violin, (laughs) (laughs) the violin, amazing. Um, But now, actually, when you bring up of that, of like you, if she weren't addressing a big group and she were just talking to like a friend, if it was like a girlfriend, she's like, "Come on, he's not going to change for you. You know that. Stop sleeping with him." Then it's like, okay, the message isn't that bad right it's just like it's like you could turn around and just yell at mark yes and be like why did you treat all these women this way doing this right yeah that's the weird part so it's like you could do that instead of addressing all the women being like why did all of you sleep with him yes because the answer of course is that he is canonically very good at sex (laughs) uh that is canon and also he is he looks the way yeah, he looks, and I'm sorry that that is no. It's true. It's a unfortunate true. to say. It is a true. And so, yeah, I mean, it's very, it's very funny. It is. It it doesn't age perfectly. It does not age perfectly. It is not. But it's a still wine. a great Bailey moment because the way that she, the way that she communicates it, mm-hmm. like the idea is like a little iffy, but what she specifically says is great. Yeah, and again, this is Bailey. Basically, doing a sketch, yes. a, a comedic, <laughs> yeah, ske- a comedic sketch. And she's all on her own. She's just there. Yeah. yeah, everyone else is just watching her talk, which I love. In a show that also like had a bomb scare. Not, not the same true. episode, but like this kind of comedic monologues in the same episode where there was a bomb in the hospital. You know what episode is the same as the bomb in the hospital though? What her birth. That's right. Which we do also have here. Um, Should we do that one next or should we do, you know what? I actually might transition to this moment from season eight. Oh. I pulled a moment from season eight (laughs) that really struck stuck with me where she talks to Derek. Okay. um, About Zola's hair. (gasps) Okay. Do you remember this? Yes, I vaguely remember. Okay. It's, it's. It's this really nice moment earlier in the episode where they're kind of talking about parenthood and he's like, it's crazy. Babies are so crazy. And she's like, yep, this is what they're like. And they kind of have this moment connecting on parenting. Mm -hmm. And then there's this really great moment towards the end of the episode where um, he's picking up Zola from daycare and Mm -hmm. a woman, a white woman is like staring at the baby because her hair is all fucked up. Mm. And Derek gets like very indignant, like white savory. He's like... It's 2012. You never seen a, a white dad with a black baby before? Anyway, I, I don't need to quote it exactly because we're about to watch it, but here we go. Maybe. Do you have a problem? Excuse me? Oh, no. It is 2012. 
You want to be shocked by the sight of a white man with a black baby? You're about three decades too late. I'm sorry, don't listen to him. What is wrong? It's just unbelievable. She was not staring at you because daddy's white and his daughter's black. She was staring at you too because daddy has nice hair. Maybe perfect hair, but for whatever reason, his daughter's hair is 31 flavors of wrong. It's hard on the eyes. Look, you are white, but your daughter is black. Do your baby's hair. Amazing scene. Weird music underneath, can I say? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like this like sentimental, like <laughs> what a mo- like a swelling moment. Yeah. It's bizarre. But it's such a great, it's such a great moment. It's such a great Graves moment where it's mm-hmm. just like you, the, the casting was so revolutionary to have such mm-hmm. a diverse cast of doctors and stuff like that. And I think the expectations like with, with like quote unquote colorblind casting, it's like, then you don't acknowledge the fact of how, how unusual it is to see that. Mm-hmm. But it's, but it's realistic because that's how the world is. And also in the world is racism. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's, it's always like nice when you get those moments that are like, not like a very special episode talking about like police brutality or something, mm-hmm. but when you're just talking about the realistic thing of like, yeah, I mean, in no world would Derek Shepard know that you need to like, that black hair is different than white hair. Like there's just no fucking way. Yeah. But he would know that he wants to get on a high horse about. Yeah. He would be like, his daughter. I adopted a child from Africa. Like that would be a thing for him, but it wouldn't be a thing for him to be like, I mean, you see him struggling to put the, the, the baby's hair, Zola's hair in pigtails mm-hmm. earlier and you see like Bailey look on like being like ah like like she's watching a horror movie mm-hmm. um yeah I mean I think that like first of all also saying it's 2012 is incredible yeah instead of 2012 to say it 2012 like that's a character choice first of all yeah and that's so, how I say the year though and I've been called on it a lot well and it's a character so, choice uh, I guess it's I am a character <laughs> and there you go but I just think that it's such I think it's such a good I think it's a good speech and a funny moment. And like Bailey would be the person who's be like, fine, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like that is that is a really important quality of Bailey. Yes. I mean, that's is kind of why I- Fine, I'll address this issue that we, like that everyone is noticing yeah. and no one has the heart to tell someone, I'll do it. Yeah. And that's that's part of why I chose it because it's a good example of like, part of Bailey being like the the structure and the strength of the hospital is that she is not intimidated by people who are supposedly like senior. Yes. And she she's never afraid to like tell the chief how it is or to call out Sloan or mm-hmm. Derek or for people doing or things. Burke. Or Burke. Yeah. And so I really love I really love this moment because it's like, it's truly not her business. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's not, but it's like kind of the greater good. It's like, she's advocating for this baby who like can't advocate for herself. So yeah. Like, yeah. You're like black baby looks fucked up. Like <laughs> you like fucked up your kid's hair and it's because you don't like get it. And that is a problem, but also like, I guess someone has to tell you. Yeah. And like, just like what a, what a good storyline. Yeah. For just like, okay, it's one of those things of like, okay, if you made this choice, if as the story, which is they made the choice that they're going to adopt a daughter. Yeah. Then you have to live in the reality of that choice, which is that he would not know how to do her hair. Yes. I just think he would be too proud 
to even ask to even, for help. And to even know that he should. Yes. It's amazing. Yeah, I think it's really good. So strangely, I chose two Derek Bailey moments. Uh-huh. Um, the other one that I chose is from from earlier. It is, it is the first thing I thought of when you said that you wanted to talk about Bailey. Because as we talked about, Bailey's vulnerability is like, not rare, but it's it's particular. She, yes. And, and it's and as the show goes on, you see her, especially after she has a kid, you see her have more and more vulnerability, which is a insecurity of hers that she mm. feels like everyone babies her when she's pregnant. She doesn't want to be treated differently as, after she has a yes. kid. And that's like a really I think that's really in line with what we know about Bailey that that. I mean, I, I actually mentioned this in, in the first, very first episode when we were talking about Yang with um, Bowen, that there's this really incredible scene when she's pregnant, when Yang is like staring at her stomach when mm-hmm. they're on a plane to go get, um, end up not getting it, but it's Denny Duquette's heart. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she has this moment where she like kind of reads Christina's mind and she's like, I thought, it, I I didn't know whether I wanted to keep it. Mm-hmm. Um, and And talks about like, you know, the concerns with her career and, and kind of what went into that decision, which is a surprising moment, I think. Here's a question. Yeah. Do you think Bailey is the most emotionally intelligent character on Grey's Anatomy? I think Izzy probably is. <gasps> Interesting. Do you think that that's wrong? No, I don't think that's wrong at all. I what? think Izzy's very emotionally intelligent. I think that I think that I might be kind of redefining emotional intelligence as like an empath. Like I think that mm, I think okay. that Izzy is like a very, very strong empath and like yeah. she absorbs the energy of people around her and that deeply affects like how she makes decisions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I think Bailey has better perspective, like big picture perspective than mm-hmm. Izzy does. Izzy has, I think, a hard time like getting past what's right in front of her. Mm-hmm. Um and she's she's very emotionally driven. But yeah. My my gut is that like as far as emotional intelligence goes and like understanding how people feel and like even if they can't say the right thing, like trying to kind of cater to that. I think I think that Izzy is very strong in that way. Yeah. Okay. I feel like Bailey is like very, very aware of other people's emotions. Yes. Even if she's not like I think she is empathizing with people a lot, but like not in the same way that Izzy does. But I agree. I feel like she's aware of the emotions of other people Mm -hmm. and she's constantly making decisions on how to act with regard to that. And that's either like, I'm going to disregard it because actually their emotion is not important in this moment. Yeah. Or I'm going to like, or I'm going to like psychically uh, predict that Yang is pregnant. (laughs) Right. Or, or Or did she know? I think, I I think this was after Yang's ectopic pregnancy when, but she was going to abort it. Okay. okay. Um, and I, I think that it it's it's kind of this question of like Yang doesn't want motherhood anywhere near her career mm-hmm. and Bailey, who is her idol mm-hmm. and who she thought was on the same page as her, she's shocked that she's having this baby and she's like, How could this person who has all these values and do, mm-hmm. you know, wants what I want, how could she also do this? Interesting. Okay, got it. Got so it. I was misunderstanding that moment. No, no, no. I mean, I, I, I actually, I think that everything you said is super, super on point. And it, and it's, and I actually think fits into kind of what I, this next okay, scene great. that I really like, which is that um, for all of Bailey's emotional intelligence and understanding her motherhood and her insecurity surrounding people thinking less of her or babying her after she's had a baby, 
uh, or or just like underestimating her in some way, mm-hmm. it's like a huge blind spot for her. Yeah. Like she's paranoid about it and she's really, like there are moments when she is worried that it, people think that it makes her weak and people are like, no, I think it makes you a better doctor. And she doesn't, I don't think she totally believes that. So when Burke has his tremor and, and Yang is um, like controlling the board. Yes. She erases Bailey's name. Mm. From a like a procedure. Yes, I which just rewatched like this episode today. A, a crazy, a crazy moment. Like yeah. Bailey sees it up on the board and is like, "Ooh, this procedure! I really want to see this." And she just adds herself to the board because she can do that. Mm-hmm. And Christina, without telling Burke she did it, quickly goes and like erases it. Mm-hmm. And then she, and then Bailey goes later in the day and sees that her name has been erased, and she feels like it's because. Burke doesn't trust her or thinks that she's not good or something like that. And she brings it up to Burke and it's a really good acting moment because he, you see him like be shocked by what she said, understand what must've happened. And then he just kind of says, I couldn't use you. Mm. And so when Burke, when Christina ends up telling on Burke, which is such like an interesting thing that happens. Yeah. That whole plot line. What I think nuts was nuts, but also, yeah. Yeah, it was perfect. That, it was perfect. It was a perfect yeah. plot line. And because also Christina was the one who was like, no one has to know. And then at a certain point she was like, I cannot do this anymore. The pressure is is too much. So after that happens and they're kind of trying to figure out like disciplinarily what to do now, like no one died, but like they could have like, mm-hmm. and that was, it was dishonest and his recovery was compromised and all this stuff. Uh, Bailey is furious and she talks about wanting justice and she's like, he needs to be punished for what he did. You can't, because Yang gets put on her service and she's like, you're just letting Yang go back to surgery. You can't do that. Like Mm -hmm. they messed up. And so they're doing this. um, I believe it is the uh, conjoined twins separation surgery. And she is with Derek and they're like in the skills lab and he's kind of practicing on a, on a dummy with, um, with the different nerves to not paralyze these brothers <laughs> who are in love with the same woman. If you will recall. A bated breath for the brothers. <laughs> the brothers. And, um, and doesn't and the woman like choose the, the brother she didn't immediately fall in love with that she's yeah, the one dating? that she's like not engaged to. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. She's like, after we have sex and you fall asleep, we have amazing conversations. And you're like, yeah. Do you think the writers at the beginning of the season just brainstorm a million wild cases? Yes. And then put them on a board and like, how could we parallel those to what emotionally is happening? I think that's exactly what happens. I really do. Um, yeah, I do think that's exactly what happens. (laughs) In any case, this is, this is a tender moment that happens kind of surrounding this absolutely crazy <laughs> story. And it's this is this moment of like friendship and vulnerability that I think is great. So yeah. what also happens at the beginning of the episode where she gets erased from the board is she has to stand in Buddy. front of the rest, the other surgeons. And they go through what happened with Denny. Oh, she does the Denny M&M. Yeah. That's right. And that 
guy come that other surgeon comes for her and is like, why do you think your interns have no respect for your authority? That's right. And at the same time, she's working with a case with a baby. So people are seeing her with a baby. So she's feeling infantilized about the You're fact right. that she's That's a mother totally right. and the fact that she, all of these interns. Blah, blah, blah. So it's like all of her insecurities have been oh piled in this section. I forgot okay. that that was that same episode. Okay, let's do this. I can't do this surgery, Miranda. I start to think I shouldn't be operating after the Duquette M&M. All the whispers and the talk. I let that in. Mm. Started to question myself. I believed it when I was told uh, I was no longer of use in the OR. So when you said you wanted justice, you were talking about... I'm a surgeon. Uh There are lives in my hand. And to make me question that, that's... Like to put a life at stake every time I hold a scalpel. I told Bert I could fix his hand. Well, you did. Yeah. He is not paralyzed or or disabled in any way as a tremor. If he'd been honest about that, well, there's no telling what you could have done to prevent it. Mm. You can do this. Hold on to my wedding ring, honey. Okay. Great scene. Great scene. His listening noises? Is that what you're going to say? <laughs> Just curious. <laughs> no, I was going to say, like, I mean, I always remembered that he had, you know, fun scrub caps. Like, scrub caps were like this weird thing, way for the doctors to show their personality. <laughs> but <laughs> I forgot that, or I guess I never realized his are fucking boats. And yeah, it's fairy because. Boats. He has famously a thing, thing for, for fairy boats. Yeah. His fairy boat scrub cap I that never... Meredith now sometimes wears after he died. Stop. She's wearing it when she wins her Harper Avery. Okay. Well, that is really emotional. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that scrub cap is so stupid. <laughs> thinking about. Also, wait, second question. I real I know that Harper Avery is this prestigious award. Yeah. Her mother won like two, I think. Why is she wearing a scrub cap, scrub cap at an awards ceremony? Oh God, because I'm I, picturing a gown course. and a scrub cap. So she's actually doing a surgery that she decides not to. They, they Skype her in to win. Wow. She's in the OR. And, the, for, and you know what she does after she wins? She calls Christina. That's like the last thing you see in the episode. Do you we hear her? Sandra's voice or no? I don't think so. I think you just, I don't, yeah, I don't think you do okay i can't remember that would that. make sense i love that she calls christina yeah you see her like that, did call. they do that a lot because i checked out like right kind of soon after christina left do they have a lot of like oh how's Chris? my only point of reference is in the fast and furious franchise paul walker's character mm-hmm. um does not die even yeah. though he died he just um leaves the the heisting business essentially sure, sure. And goes and lives a normal life so they often talk about him in yeah. the movie, in movie eight, the one that he's not in, as if he his character is still alive and well and somewhere else. Do mm-hmm. they do that with Christina? Uh, not regularly, but okay. sometimes like like there's a plot with um with a character who's a dreamer who's going to be deported. Mm-hmm. And uh, Christina gets her job at the Heart Institute that she works at. And like that's like a plot line that like oh, cool. she calls her friend. And you know who she's talking about. Like she, I called my friend who's 
and who's in works you know, in Sweden Switzerland. or Switzerland. Yeah, and and I and she's and she opened up a slot for you. Like so that's so cool. like that happens like rarely like from time to mm-hmm. time or you'll see maybe if a character comes back they'll be like where's this person and then you'll explain what they're doing but mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. for okay. the most part it, it's not it's not like a regular part okay well that's know. good to know and yeah. also good to not picture meredith in a gown and scrub cap absolutely <laughs> and it's so funny that i like already i'm like well yeah of course she scrubbed in like th- or she skyped in because she was scrubbed in like that's how it goes um yeah because i mean that would be psycho okay um, so that clip yeah I just really like I just really yeah. like that moment where she just is really honest about it's not really a it's not really a field where it it serves you to admit that you have doubts about your own abilities. Yes. And wow. I think that I think that that's so you, t- you take a pretty big risk even with your your closest colleagues to say I don't know what I'm doing or and and just the way that she puts it of like when you make me doubt my abilities you put the people I'm operating on at risk because then I'm questioning myself when I'm working and that That's dangerous. Is so true. Yeah. I never thought about that, especially because we work in an industry where you constantly doubt yourself. And that's like And if you don't, you're a bitch. Yeah. Honestly. (laughs) If if you you don't, don't, what's your fucking problem? Um Are you bragging? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, that person's got too much confidence. Um yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. And what I so earlier before we recorded, I was talking about an Oprah Super Soul podcast. Oh my gosh. Sunday, whatever it's called. Uh, Super Bowl Um, in one of the episodes where this woman is talking about like a negative self-talk and uh, I was talking about the question of like okay who would you be without that thought but one of the other questions with negative self-talk is is that true is that really true can you prove that that's true is reality telling you that it's true and never considered what that clip is like she's saying like I have these doubts and not only when you doubt me, it puts my patients at risk. That is like almost reality. Yeah. Telling her that her self-talk is true. Yes. And like that's self-fulfilling why that's dangerous. Pro- yeah. Self-fulfilling self-talk. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, whoa. I'm very into therapy. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. That's all I really want to talk about. <laughs> and I, I mean, yes, that's in that way you are like Meredith. I mean, not that Meredith talks about therapy a lot, but game changer as the, we all know yeah, my favorite therapy. arc as we all know I, my favorite I, I arc. know I've heard on the pod I've heard on I mean I'm talking about it all the time on the pod off the pod I'm always talking about <laughs> Meredith and Dr. Wyatt okay weirdly we're at the last clip which is I mean another iconic an iconic clip but I have we should just watch it and then okay. I'll talk about my thoughts on I it. don't think we even really need to set this up yeah oh no uh the listeners they'll know the fans they'll know yeah I'm sorry I called them listeners <laughs> they are we should only They're be both. describe them as fans. Well, f- I, the listeners of the podcast, the fans of Grey's Anatomy. Got it. So they're both. Yeah, that's true. They're both. <laughs> We're both right. They're multi-hyphenates. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're listener they fans. They do it all. Um, okay. Season two, episode 17. That's that's Ooh, your little clue. A little clue. Google very quickly. A bit, what a could it be? Bit of a clue. Cars on a cable and oh, a white side now we're blessed to the table. And analysis. Oh, Dr. Bailey, I can see the top of his head. He's got a lot of hair. Oh, he's cute. O'Malley. Yeah. Stop looking at my bajay. Yes, ma'am.
That's the whole scene. That's the scene. That's the scene. That's stop looking at my vajayjay. A word that is now in the dictionary. And that's what I hate about it. Okay, yes. I hate that word. I hate the types of people who you, I do not hate Miranda Bailey, but I hate that it was introduced into the lexicon. I hate that it's become iconic. I think it's disgusting. I think there's a certain kind of person who uses J as if it's funny and it's the same person who calls Target, Target. Yes. You know, <laughs> it, it, it is not the person for me. And I am mad at Shonda Rhimes for creating it. I don't know how you can say the word JJ and not think about vajazzling. And that to me is like, what the fuck? Exactly. And and Alex is kind of looking at us like, what? And I will say that is (laughs) when you put little jewels on your uh, vagina instead of pubic hair. You know how like back, <laughs> you know how back in like 2000, like in seven, seven, there were like Nokia phones and you could put like jewels on the Nokia phone. Or like you had like a trucker hat and you could put like jewels, jewels on, on your like trucker, trucker hat. Imagine like a vagina is a Nokia phone or a trucker hat. Just covered in rhinestones. Not covered in a design sometimes. Yeah. Artfully crafted. Artfully yeah. crafted. Like yeah. the prince symbol. I just want to amplify Alex who said artfully crafted. <laughs> yeah. Artfully crafted design. Yeah. I can't say that it was like necessarily popular as much as it was just like, you know, like when um, people do like something like glitter eyebrows and you see it and people are like, the trend is glitter eyebrows. And you're like, who the fuck is doing glitter eyebrows? That's kind of what vajazzling was. It was like people were like, so vajazzling, it's a thing. People are getting vajazzled. And you're like, who? And they're like, people. And you're like, hmm. Yeah. I never knew a single person who did it. And and. And thank God. And if and if someone I do know had done it, I don't think they would tell me at this point. That is true. But to me, the JJ sounds like vajazzle. Yes. And, and I just I think of I think of that. And in general, I agree. I don't think that the word is funny or cool. And I also just think like it's just like why would you use it? Like what what's why would you? You're so close to saying vagina. Yeah. You're absolutely. so close. To yeah. saying vagina. And if you're not comfortable with talking about your vagina enough that you need to call it a vajayjay, then just don't talk about your vagina. Also, like, you're a doctor. Yeah. She's a doctor. I feel like this moment, even though it it's has a lot become of iconic. to be in, in the throes of labor. Yeah, I just... <laughs> in the throes of labor to be like, I'm I need a, a euphemism. Little joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the throes of labor, I'm going to be a, a little quirky. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Wow. And I just don't. I feel very seen right now because it's something that's like, I don't like it and I don't like thinking about it. But, you know, you kind of put it out of your brain. You think, mm-hmm. you think I, I this, th- this won't help me to get this mad about it, <laughs> but it feels really me. good to get mad about it. Well, I just remember like. I feel like people were so excited by that moment and you still yeah. like see Anytime they're, maybe not now, but back in 2012, as Derek <laughs> Shepard would say, like articles are like, Bailey rules. And Bailey is the best character from Grey's Anatomy. And this is why. Who can forget when she said JJ? And I'm like, that's not why she's the best character. Yes, that's true. That's the, that's the most... That's the most relevant part of the song. It's but. become a marking of her character, and I just hate it. Because it's, it's also not it. super how she is. Although, no. now that I'm thinking about it, she also doesn't really feel comfortable saying vagina when she's talking to Callie about oral sex. Do you remember this? No. Okay, so she... Wait. You know what? To be honest, I'm actually just... We're going to take a quick pause, and I'm going to find the clip. Okay, great. Let me know when we're back. Okay, so... 
here's okay. So we're back. Mm-hmm. It took me but one minute to find this song. That's really impressive on, on YouTube. And okay. I and I have to tell you, I she uses the word vajayjay in this clip as well. Okay, but here we go. This okay. this is the clip I was talking about. Oh, and okay. So basically, uh. Callie is going to go on a date with Erica Hahn and they've like realized that they're into each other and there's mm-hmm. like sexual attraction there. And Callie, who has only ever dated men before and loves sex with men, mm-hmm. she's like getting really nervous about it because she's like, we're going to go on this date. And like, what, you know, what is going to happen? And she mentions it to Bailey, who's kind of like, whoa, I do not want to be part of this conversation. Mm-hmm. And later Bailey returns to like give this, uh, honestly, speech. <laughs> this honestly speech. <laughs> I don't talk about sex. Please, let's just pretend I never said even a single word. I don't talk about sex with anyone ever. Not any kind of sex. Bailey, I am begging you. This is it. The Vijayjay is (laughs) undiscovered country. It is the motherland. You've never traveled there. You don't know its customs and ways. Now me, I've always wanted to go to Africa. Uh, But if I go, I'm going to have to learn a few things first. I'm going to have to prepare. I'll need shots, um, bring my own syringes in case something goes wrong, and and I'll want to know how to get to the embassy. Okay, okay, now you've lost me. (laughs) Just talk about it. No, with me, with the other one. Talk about the rules, uh, the expectations, figure out how to gracefully demur if you find that you don't like the the local cuisine. In Ethiopia, they eat stew off of spongy sour bread. That's not for everyone. Oh my god, this is actually wild. She's what really the proud hell? of herself. The way that she delivers that line of that's not for everyone is incredible. <laughs> to, <laughs> to compare sex to Ethiopian stew. Yeah. <laughs> not just any sex, it's it's, it's lesbian sex. Yeah. Gay well, sex. That, that, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah, that is... <laughs> the trappings of that oh my god but yeah i guess so the only reason why that because we're like she's a doctor why can't she say vagina and then i was like you know what we actually that actually does kind of set like canon for bailey she just like doesn't want to talk about doesn't want to talk about sex okay i guess that is a character trait so but you know what then when she starts dating ben warren and she thinks that they're gonna sleep together she's only ever slept with tucker i do actually think that her her discomfort you know that's something i hadn't really thought about before getting into this because it's it it's less about like her as the stability of the hospital and more just about her and her personal life and stuff, yeah. which is maybe why it didn't occur to me. But like she gets really nervous with Ben Warren and like, and she goes to Callie for sex advice mm-hmm. and Callie was like, you need to get a bikini wax. And she's like, what? And like mm. gets really nervous about it because she hasn't slept with anyone, not only since her divorce, but also like ever who wasn't her husband. And she's really nervous about it. Okay. Well, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. And she goes to, she goes to um, Warren's house and she's really nervous. And he's like, she's like, it's the third date. Or, or And he's like, no, 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 we, there are no rules. We'll just, 
do you want to have sex? And mm. she's like, not yet. Do you? And he's like, not yet. Oh. And they're like, oh, okay. And it's a really nice scene. That's really lovely. Yeah. But I did I did kind of forget that that's like strangely kind of an element of Bailey. Okay. Well, then I guess they set it up in season two. <laughs> but I don't know. While you're, I still agree that like while you're having birth, I don't know. I, I, I still think it's a little dicey. But this is also, this is not specifically about Bailey. This is around the time where I feel like, so Gray's, tell me which came first, Juju or Vajayjay? In the chronology of Gray's. Gray's. Do you remember? Uh, Juju comes first. Interesting. Yeah, because it's when it's when Addison's becoming more acclimated okay. and she brings the coffee or the mocha or whatever. And she's, she's like, the this one is that introduces Juju. Juju. Yeah. This season, Juju and v- Vijay J are like spiritual sisters. I agree. They yeah. were trying to lingo, create lingo. Slang. They were yeah. trying to create their own language. <laughs> yeah. Well, a little much. And it was transparent. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like I can still remember being like, "This coffee is good juju," and it's like, mm, maybe it's maybe. also just very funny for that to be like a New York thing. Like that's not a New York thing. What? Like, like, like the way that they're like, they're like, "What's juju?" and they're like, "It's a New York City thing." But like, no, because juju existed before the show. No, but the way that they like the way that like when Addison says it's good juju, oh, got and they're it, got like, it, got it, got "What it. is that?" And then they, the way that she explains it is like it's something we did in New York City. And I think that juju <laughs> is a very funny thing to like associate with New York because I think most New Yorkers would be like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Like, yeah, like that's to me is so much more of like an LA like yeah vibey type thing and I think it's really funny that like this like super rich Park Avenue like yeah. she arrives in a fur coat with a red lip like her like, hair she, when the, she arrives the brownstone like Addison yeah. Montgomery mm-hmm. Addison Forbes Montgomery like it's like I don't think that that's really a super like juju type person but mm-hmm. okay yeah <laughs> but okay but okay yeah. But frankly, okay. So those are oh my, my thoughts on the JJ. What? Yeah, no, those are good thoughts. Those are important okay. thoughts. Okay. We're gonna do Sean vlogs. Okay. Um oh boy. I am so excited. At first I had like a crazy idea. I was like, we can't do that. I was like, you have to coin a new term in it. And I was like, no. That's too scary and I can't <laughs> coin do that. A new term? If, but I was like, well, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. And I was like, what if we did that? And I was like, no. I mean, frankly, absolutely not. <laughs> Also, language means nothing now. Like, I feel like everyone I know just, like, abbreviates every single... Like, there's just... It's all, you know, listen to Seek Treatment with Cat and Pat, et cetera. Like, I mean, there's just, like, their language is, like, meaningless. And I love that about Lang. But... Oh, boy. (laughs) But frankly, like, yeah, no, we can't do that. Um, Anyway, but it was really nice. It was a really nice thought that I had that I decided to share for some reason. It was Mm -hmm. beautiful. Mm -hmm. Beautiful thought. So... Refresher, Shanalong could be anything. It could be you speaking as yourself. It can mm-hmm. be an imaginary character. It could be someone in the world of Grays. You you know Grays, so you know what a Sean vlog mm-hmm. is. You don't have to do the recurring thesis line, but it certainly it can be a bit of a load star if that's if that's interesting to you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. That's a good song. Oh, I remember this episode too. Is that gonna color your We'll see. Oh. Okay. How did I was sick. Not stupid. And the fact that you think that just because I missed six months that I disappeared, that I don't see what's going on, I wasn't stupid. 
I got sick. And you know, when I got sick, you weren't there. Everyone visited me. I got cards. I got texts. I got fucking phone calls, okay? And while I was sick, I wasn't stupid then either. So you either didn't call me or didn't show up because you don't care about me or because you care about me too much and you don't know what to do about it. So I'm back. I'm not going anywhere ever again because I did not like how it felt. And if you don't fix how you treat me, then you're the one who's stupid. Oh my gosh, I could not nod my head anymore. (laughs) Yes. What a line. I was sick, not stupid. I mean, it's like something always just like comes up and I'm just like, what is... What is wrong with me? Okay, wow. That was a song that I can't believe I put on that playlist because it's kind of like a different vibe. But it is, that okay. is like a type of Shondalog. Yeah. That, you know, that song. It's yeah. Not all of them are, are, are... in the world for me. I mean, it's from Crazy Anatomy, okay. baby. You know it's in the <laughs> well, world. Okay, okay. It's here we world. go. This is, okay. this is you. When I was six... I had this basket (laughs) and I I love this basket because on Sundays I would go to the park with my mom and she would tell me to fill my basket but I never wanted to fill it up enough (laughs) she would ask me why aren't you filling your basket And there was something in me that that couldn't that couldn't fill it that knew it wasn't ready to be filled and honestly when I'm with you I want to fill my basket I want to fill it with bread and with flowers and with grass and with juice and with anything that could be in a park or in a life or in a marriage (gasps) because it's not the basket that means anything oh my god it's what's inside of (laughs) so yeah I'll marry you. I want you to fill for the oh rest my God. of my life. Hashtag fill my basket. Hashtag I want to fill my basket. Oh my God. I want to fill my basket with, with juice. I just, oh my God. Truly insane. I know no. something deep comes over one yeah one, one does a chandelier. well it's also so easy to f- figure out the metaphor yeah <laughs> you oh, start I, talking I and you're like you can put anything into a chandelier. absolutely oh wow. my god hashtag fill my basket fill my basket hashtag fill my basket with juice <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh thank you so much for coming on the podcast wow this was, thank you so much for having me uh you definitely have to come back and talk about the house the, that well the house oh and the what house. was the other thing we were talking about the elevator the elevator the house the elevator 
and the elevator of the house. Locations. Uh, baskets for people. <laughs> people-sized baskets. are people-sized baskets. <laughs> it's a basket with a door. <laughs> a basket with a roof. <laughs> <laughs> a basket with a room. Oh my gosh. If you guys like Nicole's Grace Anatomy, and I really hope that you do, you can always subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts. And if you don't mind hopping over to Apple Podcasts and giving it a little five-star rating, leaving a nice review, you know I love it. Okay. Thank you so much for being on the pod, Chrissy. Thank you so much for having me. Yay. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.